Does the Bible contain an overarching and vital key to demystify and unlock its contents? Available next on The Resolute Mind. In a prior video, we embarked on a high-level overview of the creation of humankind. In this video, we'll examine the first man, Adam, in more detail and from a different angle. Here is a profound statement by the Apostle Paul that forms an important outline for developing a spiritual understanding of the Bible and humanity's history. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. The long-term goal of this series is to ultimately focus on the last Adam, the second man, the Lord Jesus Christ. However, a solid biblical and philosophical foundation must first be established to fully understand his historical and practical significance. In the past, you may have picked up a Bible and began reading. You likely didn't get very far before you concluded that it really didn't relate to you personally or to your situation. You're not alone. For millions of readers, the Bible seems difficult and obscure, an impossible and daunting task. Why? Well, for starters, the initial 70 plus percent of narratives are set in the context of ancient Near Eastern cultures that existed thousands of years ago. That portion is primarily focused on the Jewish nation of Israel, a people group God revealed himself to during ancient times. Many believe the Bible is simply a book of moral rules, a guide to correct behavior shared by Jews, Christians, and Western cultures. While superficially true, that perspective only scratches the surface. Our goal here is to introduce a unique and vital key for understanding the overarching redemptive theme of Scripture. Using this key can help demystify the Bible's contents. The Bible contains the accounts of several representative men as examples, Adam, the first man, Noah of animal ark and flood fame, and Abraham, the first Jewish patriarch of national Israel. Similar to how representative governments and legal systems operate, these single individuals, as ambassadors, formally stand on behalf of some larger group and may engage in transactions or legal agreements, respectively. Regarding God's direct redemptive dealings with humanity, two key representatives are highlighted in the Bible. These are 
the first and the last Adam. Note, I didn't say second Adam, but rather last. With Jesus Christ, there was no need for another. We'll explain why that's true later. Rather than some vague cosmic force, God is a supreme spirit being with absolute cognitive abilities. Cognition is the act of thinking, perceiving, and understanding. The first humans, Adam and Eve, were created to share, in part, God's capacity for cognition. Thus, their likeness to God was not a physical image, but one of personhood, involving the immaterial dimensions of life, consciousness, mind, emotion, and animation. Humankind's sensory faculties of vision, hearing, touch, taste, and smell are what's called bio-neurological analogs to those of the Creator. A definition of analog is something that is similar to something else. The two are said to be analogous. The first couple were endowed with an array of characteristics so that God could share with them His life, love, and purpose, where the Creator and creatures could take part in a rich and gratifying relationship. God designed humankind, Adam and Eve, to be the prototype for our species, to flourish via the biological principle of sexual procreation. By a means shrouded in deep mystery, the immaterial animating life and its characteristics would be passed on and instilled in the human race through the inherited oneness of nature, the principle of after their own kind, which we focused upon in our prior video. God as creator is the cosmic supreme monarch. Adam and Eve were creatures designed to be co-regents, representatives of that monarch. God was sovereign and humankind were subjects. While the first couple had liberty to develop in line with God's eternal purpose and for their personal benefit, they were to remain within the sphere or boundary of God's beneficent will. In the course of establishing this boundary, God set forth a single condition. He said, You may freely eat fruit from every tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will surely die. Adam and Eve disobeyed this singular edict and ate from the tree that was off limits. When they did, they metaphorically swung open a door of destructive consequences and death and decay entered God's creation. The death spoken of in the text goes far beyond the mere physical or biological. Radical changes began to occur in both the immaterial and material spheres. The spiritual health of the first couple's inner life died and they began to age and die physically. Further, they became adversely self-aware as well as filled with anxiety and fear. In the original Hebrew and Greek languages, death also carries the meaning of separation, but not extinction or cessation. 
For example, to die physically can mean separation from this world. Further, the Bible defines any deviation from both the will and character of God as sin. For example, the wages of sin is death. God is morally perfect, holy and pure, so that the consequences of sin must be alienation, eternal banishment, from His presence. The theological terminology for this cataclysmic event is the fall. What details have been revealed are found in Genesis chapter 3 and will be the subject of our next video. I'm Dan Smedra and this is The Resolute Mind.